Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Career Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Avila, and on today's episode, we have returning guest, Sammy Walker-Herrera, returns to talk all about her big career move since last time we talked. So last time Sammy was on the show, she was working in career services at a university in Florida, and since then, she's made a big move across state lines to Pittsburgh to start a company with a friend of hers dealing with communications and public speaking for success. And in this episode, she shares all about how to find your voice, utilize the best message, engage in public speaking, to get hired, to get promoted, to help on your resume, to help on a job interview, to help with career transitions, all the things. We talk about her change in career, what went into that decision. We talk about going into careers that have nothing to do with your major, Um, We also talk a little bit about remote work. Her new career is all remote and how to best make remote work work for you and all the benefits of that. We talk about just all kinds of crazy twists and turns that career and life can throw at you. So please enjoy Sammy Walker Herrera. everyone, welcome to the Career Journey Podcast, where we explore exciting careers and how to get them from the people who've lived it. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Avila. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Yeah, and I was curious, Brittany, I know I was curious if there were any topics you did want me to touch on, if it was this was just going to mainly be a kind of follow-up from the last podcast or if there's things that you thought that I could speak on that you noticed, hey, this could be good for my podcast based on other things guests have said or things my students have said? So mostly the where are they now mostly just um, I like the idea of seeing a transition and a change, which is awesome since you've just done a huge one. So we'll kind of start there talking about your move, your new job, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, I think organically, we'll probably just get into it. But really right now I'm noticing with students, I've had some frank conversations with students about what careers look like right now. So um, like financially, what students can afford, um, moving around, like students tend to think that they have to stay put in one kind of career or one job for a long time. And so if you can speak to those types of things or just really anything you've been noticing that people need to know, I think would be perfect. Absolutely. That's really great to know, especially career-wise, because I mean, I think we're battling and trying to really make sense of the fact that we have four generations in the workplace right now. Yes. And <laughs> more than just having four generations in the workplace, even within a generation, there's going to be so many different opinions on career transition, but it does seem that parents or older loved ones or folks, their mentors who tend to be more senior to them are giving them advice that they should be sticking around organizations or, oh, well, you know, it's just two years. You can do anything for two years. That's not really the, the best career advice, at least more modern wise or lately. All right. Well, last time we saw you, you were in Florida, correct? Working yes. um, kind of career services-ish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my last, uh, one of my last roles was working in Gainesville, Florida at the University of Florida in the Career Connection Center. And I specifically okay. was a career coach for students who were in the College of Agricultural and Life Sciences. And when people think about agricultural and life sciences, they think, of course, of cows, 
<laughs> farming, <laughs> dairy, sciences, horticulture, for example, but it actually it encompassed about 26 or so majors, which also included community services and sciences and so many aspects related to research and even healthcare. Yeah, it's big. Agriculture science is huge, not kind of just what you think it is. And so you're no longer there, correct? You just made a big move. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So I made a a few transitions quite lately, both geographically as well as career-wise. I'd love to share some updates with you on that. So geographically, I have moved back to wonderful, at least sunny right now, (laughs) Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh is not my hometown. It's not where I was born. It's not where I was raised, but I would consider it definitely my second home. I lived there for about eight years before moving back here. And that's where I went to undergrad. So Carnegie Mellon, which is in Pittsburgh itself proper. Yeah. As well as Slippery Rock University, which is about an hour north where I got my master's in arts in student affairs and higher education. And then I worked for a few years as well in diversity diversity as well as multicultural initiatives. Okay. And you said you went through a career change as well. So you moved geographically back there and what are you doing now? Yes. Well, I'm very grateful to have a remote role and actually a role that I was able to define myself. So my business partner and friend Yasser Khan and I both co-founded a business called the Speaking Academy. We work that And what we do is we work with folks who are based in STEM related professions. So STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So Mm -hmm. folks within those types of roles, as well as companies and folks within corporate roles to help them really build their speaking delivery and polish in the workplace, either through impromptu speaking, as well as prepared presentations. Awesome. And how did you go about co-founding this? That sounds amazing. It sounds like a lot of work probably went into this for a while. So can you walk us through how that went? Absolutely. One of the most key parts about building a business, especially when you have a business partner, is finding that right business partner. Yasser and I met, let's see, I believe in October 2020, and we met on LinkedIn. He actually reached out to me first. He was building out a coaching business to help coaches build out their sales skills so they can have their own independent career coaching businesses. And that's actually something I did for a little while as well. So I hired him as my business coach. We worked together for maybe more than like seven or eight months. And I still was able to connect with him with direct questions regarding my business, business building, working with clients, and of course, sales, which is one of the things that I really wanted to get to know. And something I didn't, for example, learn in undergrad, even though I have a minor in business administration, right? Yeah. You can imagine at all different colleges and universities, minors, majors, they all look different even when they have the same title, right? And business administration, I believe, is the one of the most common majors in the United States, along with psychology, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we met through there and I continued working in career coaching. I, again, I was working at the University of Florida. I worked with self-made millennial and a freelance as well as full-time experience. That was a career coaching startup as well. And then from that experience, I realized I really want to continue going back more into the entrepreneurial route. I know Yasser had reached out to me in about May or so this past year, just kind of putting out the idea that he wanted to work with me. He just wasn't quite 
sure of what his idea was, right? Usually you need mm-hmm. an idea. And then usually you also <laughs> need some funding if you're going to yeah. be working with someone, right? Those two are big. Founder or an employee. So those two things are pretty important. Yeah. And by the time it was about December this past year, so 2021, Yasser, I reached out to Yasser saying, hey, are you still working on that idea? Are you still looking for someone to co-found a business with? And he said, yes, you're the person I've been looking for, you know, my business inside and out. And we at first were thinking about another type of coaching business. He realized, you know what, my passion is public speaking. I have done public speaking coaching in the past, but honestly, speaking to himself, he realized that he just thought he would fail, or he realized that he felt like he needed to have this many accolades and this much work experience and this much. And he realized yeah. <laughs> just beating myself out of working for my passion area. Yeah. And for, for myself, I didn't fully realize it. Yasser helped me understand this, but I've had six plus years of coaching folks in interviews, which is professional corporate communication. Absolutely. And that's what I'm doing now. So translating your skills is so important looking at it from a third person view or talking to someone else about what your skills are, what your experience is. I thought I'd be a career coach for the rest of my life, but not in the empowering sense. I thought, oh, I guess I can only be a career coach for the rest of my life, but that's not true. (laughs) I'm a coaching professional and I can choose the area of expertise that I want to apply those coaching skills in. Yeah. I love that mentality because a lot lately, especially with the great resignation, with everybody switching, changing careers is pretty big. I've even looked into it in the last few years of like what else is out there. Um, And looking at other job descriptions, you can kind of start to see what translatable skills you have. And for somebody like me with a PhD in a very small area, you're told a lot of times that that's all you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's really just not true as long as you can kind of translate those skills into other areas, like you're saying. So I like that advice a lot. Absolutely. The way I think about it as well is something that used to really confuse me a lot as an undergrad. I think I talked to you about this last time, right? Mm -hmm. The sense that, oh, I'm double majoring in psychology and Hispanic studies. People think I can only be a counselor for Hispanic people. (laughs) Yeah. If you have two majors, that means you can do so many different things. Maybe you're you're not implementing things 50%, 50%, but who said I wanted to do it that way anyway? Or the fact that your major's not as, in, I hate to say this out loud, I always feel like I'm going to get fired for it, but it's not quite as important sometimes. Obviously, if you're going to med school, law school, you've got kind of a few majors that you can really pick from. Um, but if you're going out into the business world, entrepreneurial, kind of anything, you can really explore any type of major. You're not stuck to it. You don't have to be a psychology major and then go into counseling. You can do a million different other things. Um, and so not having that limited view of like, this is my skill set, this is my major, I'm stuck here forever, what am I going to do with it? But rather those underlying skills, what you're saying is your underlying kind of passion, both yours and Yasser's seem to have like this underlying drive of this is what I want to do that fit multiple different formats that fit multiple different kind of career choices. And now you've found this new one that gives you a little bit more opportunity, gets to, you know, stretch a few more of your muscles, your skills and things like that, but it's not the only one. Absolutely. And one thing that you talked about regarding majors and hopefully you don't get fired. If you need any support <laughs> that, yeah. provide me career coaching support. <laughs> one interesting thing that really came up 
and actually within the last month, three different people asked me this and it just came in my head. They're like, okay, now this is a pattern. This is a little bit interesting. Multiple people have asked me if I majored in public speaking. Oh yeah. Which I don't believe is a common major or maybe is a major in most places. There's communications, right? There's like journalism, things like that. Most places they might have a public speaking requirement or a few different courses or capstones, for example. But it's very interesting to me for sure that folks assumed that, oh, well, you must have a public speaking major. Your master's must have been in communications or, oh, Sammy, you must have been in Toastmasters. I've never been in Toastmasters and I'm still (laughs) a fully fledged expert public speaking coach. Right. I get that a lot with psychology students where they're just like, okay, well, I have to go into counseling. And I was like, there's a billion other things that psychology students go into. Counseling is actually not even the top one that our students end mm-hmm. up going into career-wise. And so it's interesting, kind of this view we have on majors and careers and sticking into it. And I think it's that shifting of the workplace in itself where you used to go to a career and you used to stay in it for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. I was mentioning earlier on this call that uh, my dad's been at the same company for I think 40 years now or something like that because it's longer than I've been alive. And I don't know anybody from my generation that's stayed at a company at all. Um, I think everyone I know has at least moved companies, if not entire careers. And I know a lot of people that have also moved entire careers. And so I think the landscape of what it looks like out there has just changed so much that we still have this kind of perception that you go and you stay in this career or you stay in this major, and it's just not really what it looks like out there anymore. Absolutely. And to use myself as an example, and I invite anyone who's listening to this, you can feel free to check me out on LinkedIn so that you can corroborate (laughs) my story right here, right? But my first full-time role, I worked at that institution for two years. The first six months was as an intern, and that was still within my master's program, and then full-time for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. That was within the higher education industry. The next role was also about a year and a half, and that was a career coaching role. Again, still within the same industry. My next role after that was in a completely different industry. It was professional training and coaching. It was at a remote startup, and that actually was only for about four months. It was four months and myself and my supervisor at the time, we decided that wasn't the best match for me. That was totally okay. And if anyone, for example, I I would love to hop on another episode or chat with folks about experiences about like layoffs or choosing to leave a role as well, just because I have that experience. And now it's been about three, four months that I've been working in this, in this specific role, full-time, remote working also internationally, not only because Yasser is based in Canada, but also internationally in the sense that so many of our clients are from so many different backgrounds and countries. So for example, one of our clients is in Australia, a couple of are in France. We have folks who they're based in the US and Canada, but they're from all over the world. So for example, India, Singapore as well. Wow, that sounds fascinating and fun. Oh, it's definitely very rewarding for sure. I'm, I'm meeting amazing people. And so this is a remote job for you. So since this is kind of a big thing for people right now who are, a lot of people are seeking out remote work. My sister just changed her job too, I should mention, um, totally transitioning from different types of companies. She started last week and she transitioned to a fully remote job as well. So in that, 
and I don't know if some of this is personal, so feel free not to answer if it is, but um, what made you decide then to pick up from Florida and move back to Pennsylvania? Was it because it felt like a home to you? And since you were remote, you got to choose wherever you went, like what went into that decision? Honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Exactly. (laughs) Because the role before this public speaking role was also remote. One thing I encourage folks who are remote to do is within their first couple of months of their remote role, still be kind of in your home base. So wherever you're mainly expecting to be working remote. So that usually is your home office or for example, your own bedroom. And I would do that as I mentioned for a month or two, just so that you're getting the rhythm of the role. It's Mm -hmm. just like any other role where you're onboarded and maybe you have 30, 60, 90 day reviews and you wanna make sure that you're connecting with colleagues, that you're connecting with your supervisor well, that you understand the culture of the organization. And that doesn't happen just in two or three months or so, right? But you wanna have that really great set base. Okay. I also recommend folks really make sure they understand their space and get the gear that they need for working remote. It's very easy to pull any of your dining room tables or <laughs> dining room chairs and say, this is my work chair, but that's probably, your back's probably not gonna appreciate that not even yep. 50 years down the line. It's not going to appreciate that within like a couple of months for sure. So making sure that you have the tools that you need, whether they come from your company. So for example, a nice webcam, a large monitor or multiple monitors, any type of, for example, extra memory storage that you need, or even something that can help you with your posture or ergonomics, I find tend to be pretty important. But regarding remote roles as well. So First couple of months, I made sure, okay, I'm staying home. Or for example, maybe I pop to a coffee shop once a week or something like that, just for a little bit of diversity. But again, I want to get a sense of how I'm working from my own home-based space. After that, I started traveling and working remotely. So I traveled to Texas. I'm originally, I'm from Texas. And I went to one of my childhood best friend's weddings. And then I stayed with my family for about 10 days. I then popped over to Pittsburgh for a couple of weeks to spend Thanksgiving. I was in Toronto for two weeks to meet Yasser in person for the first time, as well as see my best friend Harshani. I then popped by LA for a week and saw a couple of friends I haven't seen since college, which was really exciting. I went to Pittsburgh again for my birthday and the holidays, popped by Florida and made a decision, you know what, I think moving back to Pittsburgh, since I spent so much time and I got to reconnect with folks, would be the next best move for me. That's really cool. So that's a perk of remote work that I know I've seen online, but haven't actually really thought about is this idea of traveling a little bit more, you know, going to places, especially now, I think a lot of people were more mobile. And so we don't live next to family as often as people used to. And so being able to do that, what's it like traveling, visiting people, but still having to work at the same time. Like I imagine it's not as fun as it seems because you have to work and you can't just have fun, but I don't know. So what is it really like to, to kind of move around at the same time? Absolutely. What I see with this mainly is most of the time, the folks that you're around, they're also working too. (laughs) Right. Right. Most of my friends, family, loved ones, connections, people are seeing They were working between nine to five, Monday through Friday. And so I could account for, you know what, maybe my schedule could be more aligned for nine to five, (laughs) Monday through Friday, even though, for example, I had a little bit more flexibility. So for example, within my own schedule, I work in the morning 
let's say from 8.30 till about 11.30, take a longer break in the afternoon. And then around 2 p.m. or 4 p.m., depending on how I'm feeling that day, work until the evening based on the projects I'm working on, or even, for example, the times that clients set up for our coaching calls. Yeah. So if a client sets a call at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, I might shift a little bit of what I'm doing that day just because it's going to be a little bit of a later day for me, for example. So what that's one thing that was helpful was knowing that the other people I was connecting with were also working. But often I would also work on the weekends or I'd have specific hours or client calls and things like that. So I think the best thing to do in that sense is to set boundaries. Just let people know what the scope of your work looks like, what your work looks like. And if you can, it's helpful to even send out a little schedule, right? Okay. If you can send that out to folks. So my roommate, her name is Sam. So that's great. Sam and Sammy live together. <laughs> she works as a nurse and throughout the month, she'll have day shifts, she'll have night shifts. And she even includes specific days she's going to class, but she also is studying for advanced, for an advanced certificate in nursing. So with that, at the start of every month, she sends out her calendar to all of her close friends so that we all know, okay, Sam has a night shift that night. So we're not going to specifically invite her to this thing, or we won't expect her at this event because we know that she's working that day. So I found it was really helpful during the times I was traveling and I had different things going on in my schedule. So for example, evening calls or specific weekend work or webinars or hey, I need folks to be a little bit more quiet in the apartment for the next two hours because I'm recording a podcast with Brittany, for example. Right? <laughs> yeah. Always really helpful to send out that schedule once a week or every two weeks when I knew ahead of time when my hours would be a little bit more diverse, the average nine to five. Interesting. I would have never really thought about doing that, I think, because I think of sending my family my schedule and it seems really weird that it seems like such a great idea to get everybody synced. Like, I mean, we do that in my family just with like me and my husband shared a calendar just to stay on top of everything. So it makes total sense. That's yeah, awesome. I find sending it as an image is super easy. Like the way Sam does it. And I oh, yeah. her on this one was just creating an image with the week or with the month. It's like a JPEG, right? Or PNG. And then you just send that in a messenger. You send that in email, whatever the easiest way for folks to be able to read that and reference it. That's perfect. And they can just pull up the picture on their phone. <laughs> exactly. And I even, I look at her schedule each month and I add it to my own calendar. Nice. Then I'm like, okay, I know Sam's out. <laughs> That's really cool. So you are now doing kind of public speaking, speaking career coaching um, for people in STEM. What does that look like? I know you've mentioned kind of your daily life a little bit, how you have flexibility, how you have um, kind of different schedules. You're obviously working with people from different countries. So your mm -hmm. timing for them and meetings must be pretty tough, but what type of things are you working on for people? Is it just, so you've experienced with like job interviews and helping people with that. Is that primarily what you're doing? Are you teaching them, preparing them for other types of speaking engagements? What, what types of things are you coaching? Yeah. Usually folks who sign up for our coaching academy, for our one-on-ones or for our group experiences, they want to be seen in their organization as someone who presents very well, but mm -hmm. not just in the sense of, I don't have any filler words anymore, or I feel like my pacing is better, but am I telling a story even when I yeah. have data? Am I engaging the audience and are they listening to me fully during my presentation? And is my message really 
getting to folks? Is there a call to action that I'm saying? And if so, are folks moved to action based on my speaking and based on my presentation? So that's one thing that's really helpful. Another thing is that we have many clients who join our program because they're scared, because they have a lot of fear when it comes to speaking on the spot. So even Mm -hmm. outside of prepared presentations, we have folks who they're in a team meeting and they've never contributed their thoughts about something going on in their department, in their team, at their organization, because they're too afraid of how they sound or how it will be received or just putting themselves out there and trying their voice. And what I find as well is there often don't tend to be so many opportunities to practice speaking. Right? It's usually, oh, I haven't spoken for a while. It's not really part of what I do. Oh, I was just asked by my supervisor in two weeks to give this really (laughs) huge presentation where not only my supervisor will be there, but leaders and C-suite folks from our organization will be there. There's a lot of high stakes there, right? We've actually had someone who connected with Yasser a few weeks ago who told us a story where he had interviewed for a promotion in this organization and he was denied the promotion because he was not considered to have strong enough presentation and speaking skills. Wow. And one thing I have been teaching folks when I focus on my career coaching aspect of my expertise is that hard skills, like the skills that specific software, specific expert knowledge, specific content knowledge for your industry, those tend to get you the job, but those soft skills, that's what most people know them as, right? Is soft skills, but I, like I hate the term, <laughs> right? Right. And so I like to frame them a little bit more as like leadership skills, yeah. right? Or professional skills. Those skills like public speaking, right? Like listening well, like even, for example, professional empathy, cultural competence, those types of things. Those are what secure you raises and promotions and leadership opportunities as well. So that advancement in the organization that folks are looking for, because again, We have a lot of folks who, or younger professionals or professionals in, for example, the Gen Z generation, as well as the millennial generation, which it's really tough in the workplace balancing four generations. That (laughs) is a lot, especially regarding communication. Yeah. They would actually love to stay at their company. There's a lot of regarding the, the great resignation or regarding, oh, all the young folks, they they don't want to work anymore, that type of rhetoric, right? There are so many folks in Gen Z and and millennials who they want to stay at their organization, but they find that there aren't opportunities for them to advance. And that's one of the reasons that folks leave, Yeah. right? And part of that is there are organizations that don't offer advancement as much. You might have 12 folks at the entry-level role and then one supervisor. You can imagine based on the numbers, that's going to be a little (laughs) bit difficult. But for that competitive advantage, public speaking skills, presentations, persuasion, and dynamic storytelling are things that are so valuable in the workplace in more than just sales, any type of role. Well, it's one piece of advice I always give my students because a lot of my students are going to graduate school, which in a sense is kind of like applying to a job, but you have to write like a statement of purpose where you talk about why you want that job, essentially a cover letter kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of students who are nervous. I don't have the perfect GPA. I don't have this. I don't have that. Or um, they sell themselves short a lot about what their experiences are. 
And one of my biggest pieces of advice is exactly that dynamic storytelling. If you can tell and craft a good story, if you can sell yourself in that kind of pitch and marketing, you can land really anything. And same with you, like you can get promotion opportunities and things like that, but even just getting the job, those softer skills, um, are really big. I mean, it's basic psychology. We learn in psych 101, people mm-hmm. love to hear stories and they're attracted to them. That's why all the great speakers will tell you stories about people, all the politicians, you will hear them talk about some person and their story, all the great, um, actors, they'll go into a giant monologue about a story about their, something they've experienced because we're naturally gravitated towards stories. Um, and so being able to craft one of those, I mean, it's huge. It can get you into a lot of doors. Absolutely. And with that too, we have clients who work with us specifically because they have high stakes interviews that are coming up and storytelling isn't just saying more than, then this happened, then that happened, then this yeah. happened. Storytelling requires structure, which makes it way easier to think about things that have happened in one's life and formulate a story around them, right? Yeah. And they also usually leave in a message as well. Okay, I told this entire story and the message is, I am proficient in project management. Right? But the message could also be, I have increased revenues by more than 120% in these three organizations. And it, you would be remiss to not consider me your best candidate. That could also be your message there as well. Which message do you think is gonna convert more? Which one do you think is gonna be the, the message that people leave off, they remember, and maybe even tell other colleagues because they're so excited that they're hiring you for that organization. Yeah, that's really cool. That sounds like a valuable service. Um, I like how you mentioned it's not even just presentations. It's also speaking up kind of on the fly. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's where I get scared. I'm very good at crafting big presentations because I do it for a living. I present, you know, twice a week to multiple classes, but on the fly thinking, I am very slow at thinking. I would be the worst at game shows. I cannot like when I'm put on the spot, my mind just freezes. Um, so learning that skill too. So they're very different skills to be able to present craft a presentation, craft a story, even do like Q and A's on a presentation, which is a little bit on the fly is less worrisome than just being like in a meeting, something comes up and bam, then you have to think about it, create a response and start talking about it right away. They're almost, at least for me, like two very different skills that I, one I'm good at, one I'm constantly working at. Yes. And that's one thing I try to tell folks about public speaking. Public speaking isn't one single skill. It's this large umbrella where there are so many sub skills underneath that, right? Dynamic storytelling is one of them. Impromptu speaking is one of them. Mm-hmm. Prepared speeches, speech writing. It's way different that you can say the speech that someone else has written for you versus you right. wrote the <laughs> that you're using, right? And Yasser and I recognize there's so much fear around impromptu speaking around using one's voice right there in the spot to get a message across and recognizing, is there a formula for this? Is there a structure? Is there a way that I can let go of this fear and maybe even build confidence using public speaking, right? So reduce fear, build confidence, which you can imagine has such a profound effect 
not only on the way people carry themselves when they're speaking, but the way they carry themselves as a professional. So what we do is we host, we try to host them about monthly, but sometimes bi-monthly as well, impromptu speaking trainings. These are completely free. We host them and we usually host about 30 to 60 folks in one session. And we provide live coaching to about seven or eight folks who are there and have them answer questions, terrifying questions like, if you were a fruit, which fruit would you be? <laughs> terrifying question. Terrifying questions. But you can imagine, or you can tell me, have you ever answered that question before? No. No, right? So that is completely impromptu, right? Is figuring out how am I going to answer this in a minute? Which oftentimes when we say, hey, I'll do that in a minute, right? We think, oh, that's a really short amount of time. When you've never answered a question before, and you're speaking in front of a group of 40 people on Zoom, one minute is an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> For most people, they answer that within maybe 15 or 20 seconds or so. And right then and there, within five or 10 minutes, we're seeing people go from, oh, uh, I think, well, I had a Kiwi this morning. So I think being, I think I would be a Kiwi to, if I were any fruit, I would be the Kiwi. Kiwis are known to have so many vitamins and minerals and really support people in their breakfast in the morning. And just like that, I like to support people early on in their day and motivate them to their next step. Completely different speeches. And of course, it's not the same transformation me sharing an example of that is, right? But I totally invite you, for example, Brittany, or anyone listening here, that if you're interested in any of those sessions, that we want to see your transformations as well. That's awesome. And you said you also offer group sessions as well, right? So you have one-on-one -on -one coaching for all these. What do group sessions look like? Is everybody working on kind of that same skill or people working on different skills and then they just get to see other people? How does that work? Yes. So we host a group cohort. We're actually starting a new cohort this April, 2022. I know this podcast will live on forever. So like <laughs> Adam stage there. we host cohorts every few months or so, bringing in about 10 to 15 people and throughout those weeks, we host curriculum on different public speaking skills from how to pace yourself a lot better in your speaking. That usually means speaking slower because a lot for a lot of folks, they want to get out of the speaking experience so quickly. They yeah. speak really fast like this. So pacing, filler words, any type of lack of confidence or fear, a lot of folks judge what they are going to say next. So we teach people how not to judge what you're going to say and kind of stick to a specific topic, not rambling. That's a big one. That's, that's one that my, I had to. That's my weakness. Yeah. <laughs> I find that one to be a lot more common in folks who are extroverted, right? Huh. Because we're a little yeah. bit less afraid perhaps to be in front of a crowd, not every extrovert, but many of them, right? Or the stereotypical quote unquote yeah. extroverts tend to be okay with being in front of a crowd, right? So we don't mind maybe spending the extra accidental three minutes going on a tangent and then wondering what the question was originally. <laughs> so we have curriculum on all these different aspects. We have activities and practice for folks to work on during the call. But honestly, Brittany, the magic is in between any of these coaching sessions. We give our clients homework. And what the homework is, is recording themselves on their phone answering impromptu questions or preparing their speeches and presentations 
so that it can get mine and Yasser's feedback as well as feedback from other folks in the group and so that they can build a, a habit of speaking and an opportunity to see where they came from, what their first recorded experience was to their transformation and full improvement, which can be within a month, six weeks, multiple months, depending on how long they're working with us. Because we'll see, you can have an amazing transformation within a month, but we have so many folks who sign up with us so that they can continue building their speaking for many months on and have experiences where they're brought on as consultants. They're paid money to speak or they're getting, they're getting promotions or able to save their company's money based on their communication skills. That's awesome. <laughs> it's really cool for sure. All right. Well, we're coming up close to time already. That went by really fast. Um, All right. <laughs> so is there any last minute like advice for people or any last minute things that you think young people in their career should know? Mm, good question. <laughs> Let's see. Well, regarding public speaking, because yeah. I do know, tend to know a little bit more about that. Public speaking is just one of the most common fears out there. Yeah. It's one of those facts that so many people tend to know. It's like, oh, what do you think is one of the most common fears? A lot of people know that public speaking. Because a lot of us are afraid. Even the people that aren't afraid, I feel like, still have somewhat a little bit of fear. Absolutely. Yasser has said this so many times that every time he comes to speak, he does feel that little bit of nervousness. Yeah. And the thing is, feeling nervousness when speaking, this is what I want to share with folks. Feeling nervousness when speaking is totally normal. Feeling some fear about speaking is totally normal. The thing is, consistent practice is what's going to build not only better delivery, more polish in your speaking, but it's gonna build, again, that confidence and start reducing that fear to an amount where it's fear just about, oh, I wanna make sure I'm doing a great job, not fear about, I think I'm gonna mess up, I think I'm gonna fail, I think people aren't gonna care about what I'm gonna say, those types of things. And so one of the most effective ways to practice speaking is to start recording yourself. So I challenge anyone here listening to this podcast, you too, Brittany, to <laughs> pull up any random question generator on the internet, press generate question and record yourself answering one of those questions for a minute or so. After that, I honestly want to, you to congratulate yourself for having done that because there are so many folks who are scared of hearing their own voice yeah. or, or a little bit scared of, for example, they see folks on TikTok, they see folks on YouTube, but they've never recorded themselves, right? And I'm not saying you need to post it or at all. You just have that video, you have that practice. Now, without judging yourself, it is helpful to rewatch that and notice if there's anything that you never knew. We have one of our clients who he was practicing multiple times with us answering these random questions, right? Like, which fruit would you be? <laughs> what, what was your last, where was the last location of your vacation? Would you recommend it? That's a really great random question. And he didn't realize that he had filler words. Mm. It was about every couple of words he was saying, um, uh, so, you know, those types of things. We asked him after each one of the questions, hey, do you feel like you had any filler words there? He said, no. We kept having him answer questions and we had him watch one of his recordings as well. Building awareness is the first step to building right. that skill of removing filler words or noticing your pace or 
recognizing when you start rambling. That's why the practice and rewatching your own videos is so helpful. So if you've never done it before, I totally challenge you to do so. And I think it's going to help illuminate what your next goal will be with your public speaking, because you don't need to fix 10 different things at once. You focus on one thing at a time, you build that up, and then you continue building up your public speaking skills. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey and all the new exciting things that are happening. Um, I'm so excited for your new company. I think that's going to be awesome. I'm really excited where we're going <laughs> as well. And we have so many dedicated folks who just really want to make a difference with what they're saying. They realize that their voice is just so important and that the time that they spent not sharing their voice was time that they want to get back and the time that they want to maximize now. Thank you for listening to the Career Journey Podcast. Head over to our website at careerjourneypodcast.com for more information and the latest episodes. See you next time.